This is Amy Hall, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRask podcast. And with me is Greg Kogel. <laughs> and with me is famous Amos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg, let's go to a question from C. Cooper. In Romans 9.32, what does it mean that Old Testament Jews, quote, did not pursue righteousness by faith, end quote? In other words, how did Jews attain righteousness before Christ? Well, this is a very good question because it's foundational, and I think it's often misunderstood, and understandably so, because there are so many passages that speak about salvation that talk about different aspects of it. The, I think the clearest statement of these kinds of things, uh, Amy, is in your favorite book, which is the book the question comes from, the book of Romans. And what's interesting about the book of Romans when it touches on the question of salvation is that it goes back to the beginning, to the archetype. The archetype of trusting in God for salvation is Abraham. Abraham didn't know about Jesus, all that those details, although Jesus does say, in, in a sense, enigmatically, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad in it. Um, so there was some sense of understanding that Abraham knew someone was going to come and rescue, and we see the details there in uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which is the Abrahamic covenant, and uh, please, listeners, understand that those three verses are the hinge pin of the rest of Scripture. Everything that follows is based on this rescue plan that God describes in very simple terms to Abraham and how he will raise up a nation through Abraham so that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then there's a repetition of that because there's confusion in Abraham's mind because he has no children. And in chapter 18, there's a repetition. And uh, that God says, no, these people will come forth from your own loins. So he's talking about physical descendants there not kind of a spiritual descendant, so to speak, uh, like like uh, Eliezer of Damascus might have been, and that was what was raised by Abraham regarding the promise. I don't have a child. No, you're going to. And then the text says, and Abraham believed God. In other words, he he put his complete trust in God's promise of a provision for the salvation of the world, which would include the salvation of Jews who participated in which would include the first Jew, Abraham himself. Okay? And this is the passage that, and, and the text there then says, it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. It was reckoned to him. In other words, it was credited to his account. All right? Now, there's a long history then of of this being played out uh, through the uh, through the um, development of the nation of Israel and and all the kings and uh, all the details you read in the Old Testament. But everything is kind of hinging from this. And even though there is a mechanism that God puts in place called the Mosaic Law, which provides a a picture of substitutionary atonement and a whole complex system of laws to keep, uh, to maintain their spiritual purity, and to live righteous lives. Their salvation was never dependent on their ability to keep the laws, 
or else there wouldn't be laws that made provision for forgiveness through sacrifice. And so at the core, even for the Jews with the law, it was their faith that by pursuing this sacrificial system, which was temporary, and the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 10, makes this clear, um, that in doing these things, that was their act of trust that God would use the substitute to cover their sins, not take it away, just to cover it, because that wasn't an adequate sacrifice. Animals, as I think I say in Story of Reality, animals can't pay for people. A person must pay for a person, and then this brings us to the New Testament. But the key here is, is that is it is one's trust in God's provision for salvation that that is the vehicle for their justification. All right, and uh, of course Paul develops that idea in Romans chapter four and in other chapters as well. But uh, he, he he what he says there for him who works, it is reckoned to him as what is due. If you work for something, then whoever you're working for owes it to you. But for him who does not work, now Paul isn't saying that we shouldn't be righteous, but he's he's talking about the, the means of justification. But for who, them who does not work, but um, believes or trusts into, in a God who justifies the unrighteous, to him it's reckoned as righteousness. Now, what happened in the Old Testament is that the mechanism by which they were to receive um, forgiveness, the sacrificial system, needed to be embraced with an attitude of faith and trust. Instead, it became an end in itself— if I do these religious activities, then I am going to, then I'm, then I'm going to be okay. And so it was turned into a system of works, a de facto system of works. I was raised Roman Catholic. We had all the statements of Jesus being Savior, but it was very clear to me, de facto, in other words, an actual practice, that one was saved by their behaviors. And so it was the same as the—it wasn't our faith— but it was our it was it was our our behaviors that saved us. Now I think the proper relationship between actions and behaviors are indicatives. That is, once you are uh, regenerate in virtue of your faith in Christ, things are going to change, and your heart is is on a trajectory after the Spirit. Paul says in Romans eight, not after the flesh, and therefore there's going to be that's going to be exemplified in our behavior. Our behavior will in indicate where our true trust lies. Here's what—that's exactly what Paul is—well, uh, what, what Paul is talking about here is what I was referring to just a moment ago, that you have a system that is meant to be pursued by faith, and the system becomes the measure or the means of justification instead of the faith. And there are a number of places in the New Testament where this— characterization is made. Uh, Romans has some of them. Um, Hebrews has some of them. 
uh, in early part of Hebrews, you know, well, they, wh wh why did they die in the wilderness? Because they, they, they were disobedient. And what were they disobedient? They were disobedient in faith, is the way it cashes out there. And in Galatians has things like this as well. So this is a, a it, it, it's not just the Jews, it's in even not, even Protestant denominations fall into this um, habit of, of thinking, okay, uh, there it is, the Good Samaritan, that's a that's a morality tale. Now I got to live like that. That's how I get justified. I got the two great commandments. That's how I get justified. No, the two great commandments were shown by Jesus there in the Gospels as a, an evidence that you cannot keep the law adequate to save yourself. And uh, you have to put your trust in God's provision. When that happens, you have in the New Testament economy, there's a regeneration something changes inside radically and puts you on a new course and gives you a new power to overcome and fulfill the spirit of the law. Galatians 5, you know, at the end of 5, he says, look, at those who are in the spirit or walking according to the spirit or being led by the spirit, it all means the same thing. It's not a nudge, nudge, go, you know, take this job or marry that woman. That's what Paul means. It means that you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, his language in Romans 8, to the phrase led by the Spirit. And then you are naturally fulfilling the things of the law. That's why you're not under the law in Rome, in Galatians chapter 5. You're not under the law when you're walking by the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit. Why? Because you are doing the things of the law naturally requires in terms of the progressively righteous life that you're living in sanctification. So I probably said more than I need to say, and maybe I stole some of your <laughs> thunder here, Amy, because this is one of her favorite passages. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just thinking of a million things I want to say, because, okay. because this, this chapter, chapter 9, comes after an entire argument that is leading up to this part. So uh, you've touched, you have touched on most of what I wanted to say, but let me, um, I just want to read the passage really quickly that he's referring to. Um, let's see, what, what shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. So everything you said, Greg, explains what he's talking about here. Paul has just finished explaining how the law cannot enable us to be righteous. He, he talks about this in chapter 7, and he just talks about how the law is good. The law represents what we ought to do, but it has no power to enable us to follow it. And as you said, Greg, our righteousness, he, leading up to this, he's explained that our righteousness comes from faith. You mentioned Romans 4, and I recommend that you read through chapter 4, um, C. Cooper. It talks about how faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. And then he explains, but when was it credited? After he was circumcised or before he was circumcised? And he says it was before the righteousness came from faith before the law. Mm -hmm. The law came in after the righteousness by faith. And then he says, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. Mm -hmm. Why? 
because you cannot attain it by law, mm-hmm. period. By grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest no one boast. So what had happened was that many of the Jews had lost sight of this. So you'll see, you'll see this throughout the Bible where God will say, I hate your sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop doing these sacrifices. Stop doing these acts of the law when they're not accompanied by faith. Mm-hmm. Because that is not what they're for. That is not going to make you righteous. So this all, it, it, it all leads up to this. Uh, uh, Jesus mentions this too. You know, he talks about how, um, he, he talks about God rejecting this, I think, the sacrifices or um, the sacrifices God requires our contrite heart. Does Jesus ever say that's, that or am I thinking of something else? That's, uh, that's Psalm 51. Oh, okay. But do, he doesn't quote that? I don't know. I don't think I'm Jesus okay. cites that. But I have some thoughts about Jesus' comments because they dovetail here. And some people have hijacked Jesus for the law, legalistic purposes. And I'll give some illustrations how that's a misreading of Jesus. Okay. So hold on to that thought. Got it. So all throughout the Gospels, what you will see is Jesus making the case that faith is what's important. So when he he condemns the Pharisees and he commends even Gentiles who have faith. Mm-hmm. So even the Gentiles who are outside of the law, when they have faith in God, they are made righteous by that. So there is so much, there is so much in the Bible about the law. And I think a lot of times we, when we don't read straight through it, we miss what's going on here because there's a lot of explanation given about this. And I wanted to mention one other passage that I think could be really helpful here, and that's Galatians 3. And what Galatians 3 says, again, like in Romans 4, that the law came in after the covenant made with Abraham, Mm -hmm. and it was meant to show them their sin so that they would be brought to Christ for uh, their righteousness. As a tutor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's another book that goes into this topic. Uh, Psalm 51, by the way, it's interesting. Um, It's a well-known passage. that most people don't forget where it was and don't get their New Testament and their Old Testament mixed up. Just saying. Um, <laughs> friendly p- jibing here. Anyway, it says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with an offering sacrifices of God or a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And then he says, once that is accomplished, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. So there's a, there's he, the, the relationship there is identified. And, a, and I, I'm going back at also now to Jesus, because some people think that Paul's message, the message of the gospel we understand is Paul, not Jesus. Who were the biggest enemies of Jesus? The Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Who were the most religious and assiduous about keeping the law? The Pharisees. In other words, if legalism was the right route, these were the people. But Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. That's in Matthew 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And so, uh, and then he puts things into perspective. The law requires perfection. Read through that first section, you know. You, uh, law says don't commit adultery. All right? Well, I haven't done that. Do you ever think about it? Uh, yeah, you're going to hell. The law says don't murder. I didn't do that. Do you ever call your brother an idiot? You're going to hell. 
That's Jesus. I'm not making that up. It's a a little bit of a paraphrase, but it's true to the content. Okay? And then he says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He is making clear the demands of the law. And then a magnificent parable uh, Jesus tells of a Pharisee in the front of the synagogue and a tax gatherer in the back. And the Pharisee is reporting on all of the ways that he keeps the law, and the tax gatherer is beating his breast, won't even lift his eyes to heaven, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, it is the tax gatherer in the back of the synagogue that was justified, and not the legalistic, law-abiding Pharisee in the front of the synagogue. So Jesus, in these instances, you find all these steps there. Paul systematizes it in Romans, but what he systematizes is the same theology that Jesus is teaching in the New Testament, in the Gospels. I remembered what I was thinking of, because I had something in the back of my mind that Jesus says over and over, and it's when he says, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, when God says that. He says that to the Pharisees, who were so concerned about following these laws that they missed the matters of the heart. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that's, I think that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, and that's a good a good observation. That was when the, uh, he, there was a person on the Sabbath who had a withered hand, and he talks to the Pharisees, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? And they were silent, and it made him angry, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and after he healed on the Sabbath, they wanted to kill him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, oh, Crazy. I, and I just realized, Greg, to sum up, the righteousness was always through Christ, even before Christ came, right. because it was by grace. You know, in, in Romans 3, when it says uh, he he's demonstrating his righteousness because he—I can't think of the exact words right now—but he, he overlooked— over, yeah, yeah, he passed over the sins formerly committed. Right. Yeah. So he passed over those sins for those who came before Christ because— when Christ came, he would be the demonstration of God's righteousness mm-hmm. on the cross. Just think of a credit card. I think it's the best illustration. It's like the credit card was used in the Old Testament, but Jesus paid the bill for that credit card. And a lot of times when it was used, even with my kids, you know, they don't know when I pay the bill or where they know there's a bill kind of, but they're not thinking about it. They just know that that card gets them what their, their you know, their meal or whatever it is that I'm, I'm purchasing. And uh, the same thing, there was a dad is taking care of them, but they don't know the metrics uh, financially of it in the same, until the credit card's paid. In the same way God's overlooking, he's providing the benefit, the payment comes on the cross mm-hmm. for past and future. So to answer your question, the Jews attained righteousness through Christ even before Christ. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that clears it up. And now, Greg, we only have a minute left because... (laughs) Well, it was well spent, as far as I'm concerned. And see, Cooper, I appreciate the question because it it is so foundational Mm -hmm. to our convictions. And and there are so many people who get this wrong. And not only as as Christians live a, a frustrated life, but some miss real Christianity completely because they don't see how this works mm-hmm. in the scriptures. Well, you get us start you get us started talking about the gospel and Romans and that's what you get. You, <laughs> there you go. You get the entire show on one question. Uh, <laughs> All right, well thank you so much C Cooper. If you would like to ask your question, 
You can send that to us on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go to our website. If you go to str.org and you go to our podcast page, you look up hashtag STRask, you'll see a link there, and you can send in a question for me and for Greg, and we will consider it for the show. Sure. All right. Thank you for listening. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kogel for Stand to Reason. 